Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Any day now, 
I thank God for waking me up this morning, starting me on my way. I thank God for giving me the presence of mind to serve with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, and all of my strength. I praise God for giving me a vision for the future and his church. I thank God for the extraordinary anniversary committee and production team who worked night and day and hundreds of hours so that we might celebrate our 155th anniversary. Will you help me give God praise? Oh, that's not good enough. We got to give God, that's right. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. We serve an awesome God. What I thought was fascinating in all of the committees that I've ever been chair of, I never worked on a committee, Sister Connie, where I never heard a complaint. I never heard any grumbling. I'm not saying you didn't do it. I'm saying I didn't hear it. I never walked into a negative environment, but we were all committed to work in excellence in the name of Jesus. And I give God all praise and all honor and all glory. I thank God for every blessing bestowed upon Pleasant Grove Church. And my prayer every day is that we will live up to God's expectations of us. I thank God for the teachers who pour into our children and youth week after week. And I thank God for our youth director, Monica Dixon Perry, for her creativity and, 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 and her desire to keep our children focused and moving forward in the midst of a pandemic. I thank God for our students we have in our study in Ohio, Alabama, Tennessee. And I thank God for expanding our Bible Institute. And I thank God for Pastor Joseph, who has given so much prayer and excellence to moving us forward in the name of Jesus. I thank God for the cleansing power of worship. And I thank God for this sacred space where we can come to give praise to God for all that God has done is doing now and will do. I even thank God for the thorns in my flesh because I realize that if everybody says they love you, then you are going to be misled. So I thank God for everything that comes my way because I have discovered, church, that when the enemy comes, it improves your prayer life. I have discovered that if things are good all the time, that you don't know how to pray. I, I, I've discovered that if you expect everybody to say, good job, well done, that good and faithful servant, you might take a few things for granted. So I thank God for every blessing. And I thank God for giving me the presence of mind to praise him in all situations, in all circumstances. And I praise God for being dependable and faithful unto me. And I thank God for giving me the gift of love and the ability to forgive because I have discovered from the Bible that if you forgive, God will forgive you. I have also discovered if you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. You ought to say amen. 
And right now you ought to forgive somebody in the name of Jesus. You ought to just say, is that worth it? That I just forgive you in the name of Jesus. Let us pray. Most holy and everlasting God, we thank you for this season of teaching and preaching and growing and learning more about you. Father, I pray that Pleasant Grove Church will be transformed to the likeness of you, O oh God. I pray, dear God, that the enemy will have no power over us and that we will serve you with all that we have. God, I pray that you will bless our evangelism efforts and that you will give us people who will witness for you in a dying and dark world. Lord, I pray that you will bless us with the presence of mind to step up and be true disciples of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I praise your name for every blessing, every family, every friend, and everything that you have done for the past 155 plus years. You are truly an awesome God. I give you my sermon, I give you my heart, I give you my husband, I give you my home, I give you my life, I give you my family, I give you everything, oh God, because you are trustworthy and you're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Let the church say amen. On today, we start our new study of the book of John. It is our prayer that we will all study together. And it is the prayer that the whole church will be in study so that we will be able to have discussion one with the other. And it is our prayer that you will be obedient and transition to the book of John. Today, I will give you an overview of John so that you can get to know a little bit more about this beloved disciple. I have discovered that saying you are a disciple does not mean that you really are. I have discovered that sometimes people think by coming into the physical church, Malik, that they really are true disciples of Jesus Christ. But according to the Apostle John, there are characteristics and qualities in a true disciple of Jesus Christ. I have discovered that disciples are dedicated. Disciples are inspirational. True disciples are sympathetic. True disciples are compassionate, informed, insightful, loving, enthusiastic. And true disciples of Jesus Christ are always looking, Kelly, for opportunities to lift up the name of Jesus. So today, I ask you to do your own self-examination. Don't examine me or the person next to you, but examine yourself and ask yourself, do you study enough to really know God for yourself? I heard a testimony a few weeks ago from someone who said that I grew up believing everything everybody told me about the Bible. But one day I was encouraged to study for myself. And what I realized is that if you want to really have power, Minister Derek, and move through this world, you got to know the word of God for yourself. And so I ask you, uh, as we introduce you to the beloved disciple John, I want you to think of your qualities as a disciple, and I want you to write them down, not for me, but for you. And I want you to answer the question, what is unique about you as a disciple of Jesus Christ? And I want to explain to you today and help you understand, why did John go back to the beginning? 
John went back to the beginning because he wanted everyone to know that this gospel message of redemption did not start with me. John goes back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I called my sermon In the Beginning because it's good to know what was going on in the beginning. Today we launch our study of the book of John, who was called the Beloved Disciple. The Gospel of John is unique from the other synodic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they were called the synodic Gospels due to their similarity in content. Synodics cover many of the same miracles, parables, and events of Jesus' life and ministry. There's a lot of overlap and repetition and even some parallel passages that are nearly identical. Generally speaking, the synodic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell us what Jesus said and what Jesus did, but John tells us who Jesus is. And John is saying, Malik, if you're going to witness for Jesus, then you ought to know who Jesus is. You ought to have a little history of Jesus and the witness that you have. The synodics focus on the signs and sayings of Christ, but John emphasized the identity of Christ. And the early church at Clement of Alexandria called John the spiritual gospel because of his deep insight into the divinity of Jesus. Ask yourself, what do you really know about Jesus? There are unique features of John's gospel. There are only eight miracles recorded in John, six of which are peculiar to the book, not found anywhere else in Scripture. The contrast that with Mark, which details about 20 miracles and mentions 10 more. There are no parables in John. Compare that with about 15 in Matthew, 9 in Mark, and over 35 in Luke. There are nine metaphors or figures of speech or illustrations in John used to describe Jesus, the bread of life, the living water, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the true vine. Every chapter in John provides a separate portrait of who Christ is and what he does, giving us greater insight into his character and his nature. I hope you join this study and bring your own Bible so that you can mark it up as much as you want. John recorded detailed conversations with Jesus. Don't you like it? John talked about Jesus with Nicodemus. It was evidence of the conversation with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. John, give us specific details of the conversation that Jesus had with Mary and Martha. And it was John who gives us the details of the discussion of Jesus with Peter. As the first chapter of John opens, John takes us back to the beginning to remind us that in the beginning, was the Word. <laughs> and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. First and foremost, church, I want you to get this. John wants us to understand the deity of Jesus before he begins to witness in his name. One of the weaknesses of the church is that we don't witness, and I have discovered that we don't witness because we don't know enough to say anything about Jesus. And what John is saying to us is that it's about time that we grow up and be able to witness in the name of Jesus. You ought to be able to say more than he was born in Bethlehem. You ought to be able to say more than Mary and Joseph were his parents. But John is saying, if you're going to give testimony and witness, Deacon Gino, you've got to know a little bit more. 
And then John wants us to know that the new is in the old concealed. In other words, Jesus was in the original plan. And then secondly, John wants us to know is the old is in the new revealed, and the original plan of God is revealed through Jesus Christ. So John wants us to go back to the beginning so that we don't skip anything and understand how we got here. In the beginning, says the beginning of the Bible, God created the heavens and the earth. Beginning of starting something, and our study of John begins today. Simone, you got that? The book of John. That's where we are. Beginning can also refer to the origin of something, its root or source, as the beginning of the Mississippi River is Lake Atasca in Minnesota. So we need to know where the beginnings are. What is your beginning? Do you know? Do you know where your beginning was when you met Jesus all for yourself? Do you know where you were when you met Jesus and realized that he was not a fictitious uh, a character of the Bible, but he was real deep down in your soul? I don't know about you, but I remember True Light Missionary Baptist Church. And I remember when I heard the voice of God. And I remember when I realized that I had heard from the Lord. What John is also saying, you can't hear from me and I can't hear for you. You got to hear for yourself. The Bible is filled with examples of new beginnings and new identities through Almighty God. Let's take a look at Moses, from prince to a fugitive to a shepherd to a leader. And after Moses fled Egypt for his life and after killing an Egyptian who was beating a fellow Israelite, Moses must have felt his life was basically over. Ever felt that way? From a powerful prince in Egypt and the likely heir to Pharaoh, he was reduced pastor to a fugitive and now he was a shepherd. In other words, your identity would change, but God will see you through. And now that Moses was a simple shepherd, he must have resigned himself to a life in the desert tending sheep, but later he would be a shepherd, not of sheep, but in bringing out the nation of God. Moses helps us to see that you might land yourself with the sheep, but Almighty God will deliver you at any day now, any time God will show up. Moses found favor in the Lord God, and God told Moses, I have known you by name. And then Moses actually saw a glimpse of the glory of God. Oh, my God, have you ever seen a glimpse of the glory of God? What a new beginning from a fleeing fugitive from murdering an Egyptian official to a shepherd in the desert and finally seeing the glory of God. Have you ever seen the glory of God? Do you ever know when God is present? If not, you need to be in study so you can understand when the glory of God shows up. Then there was Gideon, one of my favorite characters. He moved from a hiding position to hero. I understand that in the church, many of us are in hiding because we don't know enough to say anything. But Gideon helps us to understand it's time to come out of hiding and do something and say something in the name of Jesus. Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Mennonites. God is so awesome. Check this out. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O valiant servant. Imagine the angel of the Lord calling Gideon to a, to a violent warrior. Gideon must have looked over his shoulder and said, who, me? I don't think so, O Lord, because he answered the angel of the Lord by saying, how shall I deliver Israel? I cannot deliver myself. Have you ever said that? How can I deliver my family and I can't deliver myself? 
I'm not going to deliver my husband when I have not delivered myself. How am I going to deliver my crazy dysfunctional family if I have not delivered myself? How can I deliver me? You know the story from my children who's out of control when I can't deliver myself. But Gideon teaches us with the power of God, no longer can you can deliver yourself, but you can deliver everybody around you and in your household. Oh, it's time for us to stand up on the power of words. You don't have to live like that anymore. God answered Gideon that he would be with him. Thank you, Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, if God is with you, who can be? I love that. Don't you know that? He said, if God is with you, who can be against you? There's power in knowing the word. Gideon went from the least of his family and the least of the tribes of Manasseh to then saying to him, rule over us. You see, God will make your enemy your footstool. And God will turn things around is that the people who resent you and resist you will come to respect you and understand that your relationship with God will take them places. So Gideon moves Sister Shireen from zero status to a hero by God's hand alone. You ever want to step up in the kingdom? You ever want to be more than you are right now? Then you need to start praising God. For Gideon and for Israel, it was a new day and a new beginning. And then I love Queen Esther. She was fatherless and orphaned. And Esther is all about God's divine timing and intervention. Esther had no mother. She had no father, so she certainly must have had an humble life. But when King Arthurus deposed Queen Vashti, Esther found favor in the God's eye. I don't care about what happens in your eyes. I want favor in the eyes of God. I want God to say, well done. I want God to say, amen. I want God to say, there you go, classroom. You got it. I want God to speak to me. And so when the Jews were threatened by a decree that they all killed, Mordecai came to Esther, and he asked her to intervene on behalf of the Jews. How many times has God knocked on your door to intervene on behalf of the people in Carrion? Marsville and Durham and Raleigh and Fuquay, but you did not answer the call. At first she was reluctant, Deacon Shireen, but Mordecai saw God's hand in this and told Queen Esther that, who knows, who knows, who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this, who knows that you're not in this praise team singing and lifting up God for such a time as this so God can use you in a mighty way. Who knows, Minister Derek, that God has not allowed you to be in the position that you're in so that others might be saved in the name of Jesus. The word says that Esther courageously said that she would enter the king's court at the risk of her own. How many risks have you taken for God? How many of you have left, left your place of comfort to do anything for God? How many of you have used the rain, the bad weather, and attitudes of people to say, no, I don't have time for God? How many of us are always telling why we can't do something instead of rearranging our lives so that we can do something for God? But Esther courageously said that she would enter the king's court at the risk of her own life but said, I will go to the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. I have made up my mind. 
I'm going to serve the Lord with all I have. And if I die in the process, it's all right with me. I'm going to give the Lord a thousand percent every day of my life. And if I perish, I perish in the name of Jesus. But the word says that if I perish here, that is not the end of everything, that God has a place for me on high. Hallelujah. So the Jews were spared because Esther was obedient. And then all of you know about David, don't you? You know the story about King David. Do I have to tell you more about that? David, a teen shepherd. He didn't look like a king. He didn't walk like a king. He didn't talk like a king. But Samuel looked for a king to replace King Saul. And God told Saul one day, I've had enough of you, and you're fired. And I'm going to find somebody else. It was thought that the elder son would be selected, Jesse. You cannot decide who God's going to use by what they look like. <laughs> you cannot decide who God is going to use about where they were born. You cannot decide who God is going to use based on their DNA. Samuel looked at his appearance and how tall he stood because I have rejected him. How many of you have been guilty of worshiping people because of what they look like? because of clothes they wear, and because I go over here and I'm with bishop so-and-so, but what did the bishop say? I don't really know what he said, but I know that it was a powerful word from the Lord. We got to get to the point that we realize it's not who we are sitting with, it's whom we belong. And so what David helps us to see is that you got to know God for yourself. Somebody told me one day that God did not ever call a woman to preach. I said, well, obviously we're not hearing from the same God. Because the God that I'm hearing from told me to study my Bible and preach. And I said, Lord, I have a soft voice. I don't sing. I don't dance. I don't rap. I can't do anything, God. God said, well, you can study the word and you can get up and say, what? Thus say the Lord. I said, okay, God, I got it. In the name of Jesus. David was successful because he believed in God. Stop waiting on the world to pump you up and get up and do what God calls you to do with vigor. Stop waiting for compliments. Stop waiting for the church to say amen. Stop waiting for people to lift you up. Stop caring about what they say. All you got to do is lift up the name of Jesus. I feel like preaching today. Oh, my God. You don't look like a preacher. You don't talk like a preacher. You don't sing like a preacher. And I didn't know how to hoop. Every preacher I heard was hooping all over the pulpit. And after church, the people talked about the hoop, but never talked about the word. And I never realized that if you have a hoop with no word, you haven't done anything. And then I realized that I was better off with the word of God and I would get my own hoop in the name. John records the nine I am statements of Jesus. I am the bread of life. Hallelujah. He who comes to me shall not hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. The bread of life. I am the living bread that comes down of heaven. I am the light of the world. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, trustee Sandra, I am, was present. 
I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. I have not given up on young adults because they might not get it. I realize that Jesus needs to equip us so that we can speak in a language that they understand. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. And if anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. You see, when I was a young Christian, I had index cards. And I would write out my testimony and my scriptures on my index cards. And I would put that in my Alabama pocketbook. So wherever I went, if I didn't know the scripture, I had it recorded in my pocketbook. And now we have become so sophisticated, we have phones but can't tell you what the scriptures say about Jesus and the power of his word. It's about time that your Apple phone 11 leads you right to the scriptures so that you know what to say when you meet a sinner who has not been saved. That's all I'm going to say about that. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How many people do you know right now? Disgusted, tired, depressed, worn out, no money, no place to go, who need to know the promises of God's word. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me shall live even if he dies. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then Jesus said something very critical in John 14, 6. He said, no one comes to the Father but through me. No shortcuts, no back door, no back entrance, no special key. Jesus said, no one. And don't you love, I know Bacon loves this scripture where Jesus said in John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And Jesus asked them, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus told them, I am he. In John's writings, we found a direct connection between Jehovah, I am, of the Old Testament, and Jesus, I am, in the New Testament. When Moses asked God what his name was at the burning bush, God said to Moses, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. See, what we're learning here is that when you go in the name of I am, you're not going in your own strength and power. When you go in the name of I am, you just stand and firmly say, I have come in the name of I am. And the miracles will begin to happen because you come in the name of I am. Furthermore, John disclosed how Christ predates time and creation and was a co-creator with his father. He was in the beginning. If you studied your Bible, you would know that Jesus was in the beginning. John paid attention when others didn't and highlighted people to whom Jesus revealed his messiahship. He also included subtle statements when Christ shared his divinity, such as, I am my father are one, and he who has seen me has seen the father. Hallelujah. When people see you, have they seen the Father and the Son? When people see you, have they had an encounter with the love of the Most High God? When people see you, do you leave them toxic and feeling depressed and, and leveled out because they didn't see any love in you? John clearly stated that the purpose of his gospel, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that believing you may have life in his name. 
This is obvious by the key words. 52 times the word believe was used. 27 times the word belief. 17 times believe it. Twice John used the form of the word believe 98 times in his account proving that faith in Christ is essential for salvation. John was like a Mr. Fix-It who opens a car hood to see what it makes it run. The more he learned and the more knowledge he had, the more he expanded the kingdom of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is telling me right now that God is going to use the book of John to expand our witness because once we understand who Jesus is and once we practice how to introduce Jesus to others, then we will contribute to the kingdom of God. I was talking to a woman the other day, and she said, I know you're going to start talking that Jesus stuff to me. She said, I don't believe it. I, hear it. I said, oh, no, I'm just going to tell you about me. Now, if you don't see Jesus in that, that's up to you, but I'll see you next week. But I am not discouraged at all because that is the appropriate answer. You don't have anything believing in the middle of a pandemic. You don't have anything believing in your job is at risk. You don't have anything to believe in and your house is in foreclosure. You don't have anything to believe in with no food in your cupboards. You don't have anything to believe in with all those bad children you have and you don't know what to do with them. You don't have anything to believe in when your husband is cray-cray and won't do anything to help the family out. I said, I refuse to accept that, but that's your household. All I know is that I'm standing firm on the word of God. John helps us to see a new beginning with Jesus is the only redemption that we have. Let me say that again, church. A new beginning with Jesus is the only redemption that you have. I don't care if you go to Harvard, Howard, I don't care what PhD you have, I don't care if you're a medical doctor, I don't care what credentials you have. If you have not been introduced to Jesus, you have no place to go. Many people live and die without ever knowing they can have a new beginning with Jesus. One of my disappointments as a pastor is that I find so many people don't go forward because they cannot overcome the past. So I'm here to tell you today, whatever you have done to sin against our Father in heaven, that we serve a God who is gracious and merciful, and all you need to do is come to him with a heart that's clean and a mind that's focused and with the spirit of being willing to do better. Because the world will tell us that we cannot do any better. You cannot save yourself. You cannot cleanse yourself. And you cannot make yourself. The Holy Spirit has to do that work. Without knowing Jesus, what do you do when life goes wrong? What do you do when you're disappointed? What do you do when you make mistakes? What do you do when you lose your way? What do you do when you gamble too much and didn't tell anybody you were gambling and you pay, didn't pay the bill? What do you do when you're alcoholic and you're drinking too much and people don't even say anything to you anymore? What are you doing when you live in despair all the time? What are you doing when your hope has faded? What do you do when there is no beginning? Are you going through a trial right now? And have you been knocked off your feet. I tell you what, this pandemic has shown me some greater love for God. And I have learned that when I can't go for myself, that the Holy Spirit travels on my behalf. It's more productive and has better results than me because that's the kind of God that I serve. And John continues to remind us of the great I am in the book of Revelation. Pastor, we need to put this on the list, the book of Revelation. 
But the Lord said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Hallelujah. <laughs> I am the beginning and the end. When I want to give up, I just say, my God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. My God is the first and the last and everything in between. <laughs> I made that up by the in-between, but the Lord's word said, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. In other words, Deacon Gino, you might be dead now, but the spirit of Almighty God can lift you up and move you from death to life through a simple prayer. Lord, I want to live again. I am he who lives and was dead. And even though he hung on that cross and everybody thought he had vanished forever, in three days he showed up again because that's what the word of God said. He said, I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each of you according to your deeds. Hallelujah, let me say that again. The Lord said, I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each of you according to your deeds. Oh, I praise the Lord. I am the root and offspring of David. I am the bright and morning star. In the middle of the storm, I still am bright. Some people called me last night and said, Pastor, go look at the moon. It's beautiful. And it was. But it helped me to realize that our God is brighter than the moon. Our God is a moon every day of our lives and we will only look up to God. Jesus is the only true way to a new beginning. So today, this is proclaimed to you that you may believe in Jesus Christ and have eternal life in him. May God use us, the simple people that we are, to bring about a new beginning in the lives of our families, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, our mere acquaintances. I ask God to use me everywhere I go. I have more friends than the Harris teacher now, more friends when I go over to the Dollar Tree. I know where they live, how far they drive. I know about their children and their headaches because while I'm there, I'm doing ministry for the Lord. I'm doing my social distancing, but I'm also saying, where are you from? Well, I think I've seen you before. They go, oh yeah, there she comes with that little sermon. May God use us. Sinful people. Anybody running from you? Nobody's running from you? Then that's a sign of something. If you love the Lord, somebody ought to be running from you. If you're witnessing for the Lord, somebody ought to be running from you. If you witness for the Lord, somebody ought to be saying, no, I'm not going over there. I know what she's talking about. So let us be confident that Christ, the light, is sovereign enough to change the hearts of the darkest sinner you know. Let me say that again. Be confident that Christ, the light, is sovereign enough to change the heart of the darkest sinner you know. Don't try to save people when you didn't save yourself. Give the people to Jesus and pray for them in the name of Jesus. Our responsibility is to witness in boldness. Our responsibility is to speak up about the goodness of the Lord. Our responsibility is not to reprimand, but to lift up and rejoice. How convincing is your testimony? How convincing is your story? Would anybody believe it but you? Why don't you test your story sometimes on somebody, one of your close friends who'll tell you the truth, 
and just say, this is my testimony, and this is my witness for Jesus, and practice in the mirror so you can see what you really look like. What about you? How convincing is your testimony? Are you going through a trial right now? Have you been knocked down in the dirt? Let me remind you that our God is the God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. How many chances have you had with God? And when you tell the truth, far too many, but that's the God that we serve. You can make a new beginning, and if you have not repented and trusted in Christ, then this is where you need to begin, or you will have an end that is unchangeable. Because any day now, when the God shows up and the trumpet sounds, it's too late now to decide that you're going to get your index card. It's too late to bear witness and to think about all the things that you should have done. It's too late to go back and to claim the power of Jesus. There is still time for you to make a new life in Christ. Tomorrow may be too late, but no one knows what tomorrow breaks And no one knows even if we will live beyond today. The word says, may he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Praise team, I need your help. Because I believe that we're all going to have a happy day. When I heard the words of this song years ago by Edwin Hawkins, it gave me hope because it helped me to realize that a sinner like me, born in Atmore, Alabama, could be washed clean and have a future and something to look forward to in the name of Jesus. So praise team, I want you to lead us like you mean it. I want you to show us what it looks like to sing, oh, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Thank you, God. My sins away. Hallelujah. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus walked. Oh, when he walked. When Jesus walked. He washed my sins away. prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God 
If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.